You stupid old man. I'm a snake. The greatest thing the devil ever did was make you people believe he didn't exist. And you're looking at him right now. I am the devil himself. And all of you stupid, mindless people fall for it. You stupid, stupid old man. I'm a snake. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. And this Sunday at Revolution, I'm going to show you and all these mindless sheep that I am the devil himself. One, two, three, four. What a ride has it been for AEW. There's been ups and downs, left and rights, and a few purchases here and there. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Money Miles J, because when money talks, people listen. And for this episode, I'll be going over my predictions for the AEW pay-per-view revolution, which will be airing live Sunday March 6th in Orlando, Florida. They're going to be in the Addison Financial Arena. And they have a total of 12 matches on the card. With three of them being on the pre-show. I'm going to go over those matches, some of the builds to some of them. And kind of give my idea, give you guys an idea on who I feel should go over in each match. Or who I know is going to go over so without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. For most of these predictions, I'm not going to go too much into detail on the storyline leading up to it. I just want to give my opinion on the performer and who I expect to be beneficial throughout the outcome. Or who I feel like, booking-wise, I will actually put over. In all honesty, I will go over a few of the main storylines ones that really, really deserve your attention. Um, first thing up is the very first match is going to be Hook versus QT Marshall. Now, that's been doing a great buildup because ever since Hook debuted on the, on the roster, well, debuted in his first match anyway, um, he has been a sensation. The way that, the way that he can move, the way that he um, – the way that he kind of carries himself, he carries himself with the air of being a prize fighter. And it's like Taz during his early stage, well, during when he first became Taz, after becoming the Tasmaniac. And I would say kind of similar to like um like Dan, I would say Dan Severn. I don't want to go that far say Dan Severn, but like one of those guys that comes in, kicks ass, leaves. And I'll go so far as to say Goldberg because right now he's got an undefeated streak. 
that's still building up. So he's going to be taking on QT Marshall because QT Marshall feels as if he's being too disrespectful to the younger guys. So he's been sending all of his new recruits to face Hook, and they've been losing, obviously. Like he's been putting them all to shame. So now it's finally coming into this match, and obviously QT Marshall is not winning this one. There's no way anybody would even believe that. Hook all the way. We got legit Layla Hirsch versus Chris Stratlander. Now, Chris Stratlander is really, really good, but I never put any doubt on Layla Hirsch. Um, She may be small, but she's she's got moves. She can move. Um, I'm probably going to go with um, Layla Hirsch. I know Stratlander is probably due for a win, but still. Um, then the final match for the, for the pre-show or the buy-in is going to be a six-man a trios match. It's going to be the House of Black. That is Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews taking on Death Triangle and Eric Redbeard. Now, in all honesty, both teams... Both Death Triangle and House of Black. House of Black has gotten a lot of stuff going on. So I would actually go ahead and say that Mal- that Malachi Black gets the win for his team. Yeah, I'm actually even saying who's going to be pinning who on the match. But that buy-in, a lot, all three of those matches seem to be really, really interesting. So I'm making sure that I definitely check that out. Um, if you guys are interested, you Got to check these out, too. So now with that, with that going on to the going on to the main pay-per-view, because we have Jade Cargill taking on Ty Conti for the T for the TBS championship. I'm like now the thing is. She has been on a huge role, Jade Cargill, that is. She's undefeated still. She's the TBS champion. Like she's got a she's got an amazing look. She has that she has an incredible physique. She is a gorgeous woman. And she can knock and when she's in the ring, like when she goes for those kicks, she looks she looks like getting my words mixed up. She looks like she's legitimately knocking them out with these kicks and these hits like it looks it looks amazing i'm saying we're keeping jay cargill undefeated she's not losing the title just yet so my pick is jay cargill for the first match then we have the six man the trios tornado attack match we have ahfo which is the andrade Hardy family office, thanks this of Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy, taking on Darby Allen, Sam Guevara, and Sting. Um, right now I feel like, like right, I feel like, I want to say that that Andrade, the Andrade house, Andrade Hardy faction, would get a win, but. I don't see them as. I feel like they're there to kind of make, 
can make the new guys, the fresh guys, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, look good, look strong. So the only way to look strong is to book the, is to put them over. But I do know eventually that Andrade and the Hardy Hardy family office they're going to have to get a win at some point. But and then especially after the recent triple threat match for the TNT Championship between Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and Andrade, it was a phenomenal match. I recommend anybody who is a fan of pro wrestling in general to go back to go in and watch it. They have clips of it on YouTube. You can't miss it. It is an amazing display of athleticism and timing. The precision on each one of these men was just undeniably incredible. My hat's off was my hat was off to all three of the men in that competition. So my pick is Darby Allen, Guevara, and Sting. Next after that, we have a three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. We have Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus defending the titles against Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. We all knew it was going to be the Young Bucks that make it to the finals of the tournament to be added into this. But I, f- I feel like they still got a little bit more little bit more time with the belts that is Jurassic Express but I'm so I so badly want to see Red Dragon win the tag titles but I don't think they're winning it this time around so I'm going to go with Jurassic Express defending the titles walking out with walking out with the tag championships so for this one I'm going to pretty much give some of the storylines for most of these The next matchup is John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. The amazing thing about this was Brian Danielson was talking about eventually having a having a faction of him and a bunch of other guys, kind of like how Evolution was, where they brought in um, two fresh young talents and they helped build them up to become megastars. Randy Orton and Batista. Well, he wants to do the same thing. And the story was that he is actually trying to do that, and he wants John Moxley to join him. So he wants it to be him and Mox versus two or three, him and Mox along with two or three other guys to form in a group. And I think I think that's awesome. I would love to see that Moxley and Brian Danielson with some two young guys, and they call themselves the Paradigm. But. Moxley, he asked, he gave Moxley a choice to join him. He didn't want to, didn't want to fight him. He wanted him to join him. And I was getting, I was getting these, I was getting these regular, these comic book villain um, decisions type of vibe, like when, like in the Spider-Man movie when, when um, Green Goblin asked or told wanted um Spider-Man to join him. <laughs> and it's, it just reminds me of what about my generous proposal? Are you in or are you out? And he said that he never never wanted to stand side by side with anybody that he hasn't bled before, bled with before. 
and it's pretty much leading up into this. Like he, in a way, it's kind of like he's they're testing each other. So, there I gotta believe that there's gonna be blood in this. There's gonna be, there has to be. Um, who's who's to go over? Uh, this one's tough, but I would like to think that it'd be. I don't think there would be um Moxley that goes over in this. Like Brian Danielson, they give it a, give it his all. Moxley goes over, and then eventually he sides with Danielson, and they form their faction. I really want to see that. Um, after that we got Chris Jericho versus MJF. I mean, sorry, Chris Jericho versus that's already happened. Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, and Jericho is pretty much playing the heel in this. And he was talking about how when Eddie Kingston first came up, came, he had no idea who he was. He thought he was talking about how people were all talking about him, and he thought they were talking about Eddie Edwards. And the story going into this is that Eddie Kingston cannot win the big one. He cannot win the matches that count. And that that is t- that is kind of true. That is true. But he's telling he's telling Elliot Kingston that he is the big one. It's just another one that he's not gonna win. And he told him that if he beats him, then he will that he will respect him. Eddie Kingston, he's good Eddie Kingston is good on the microphone. Um he got he has a sense of realism to him. Like he doesn't come off as he's playing a character. Or it's a gimmick or anything like that. He's legit this way. That's why I like when he talks. He was like when they mentioned heels and baby faces, and he's like, "What?" He was like, "What the hell is a heel or what's a promo?" But like I said, the story going into this is that Eddie Kingston can't win the big one. Well, this is the big one. That's what he said. At least that's what Chris Jericho's saying. So there's no doubt in my mind that Eddie Kingston is going to go over in this match. So Eddie Kingston to win against Chris Jericho. Then we have the face of the revolution ladder match. We have Christian Cage, Wardlow, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy, and the limitless one himself, Keith Lee. In this ladder match, obviously face the revolution, the winner of this gets to have a future AEW TNT championship match. Um, For this one, like, it'd be interesting to see Powerhouse. I don't think that Powerhouse Hobbs or Ricky Starks are just about ready for this. I want, I want Keith Lee to win this. I feel like Keith Lee's coming in and to, to put him in this match and to lose it would just derail his it would derail his his momentum coming in so right now orange cassidy he's been he's been on a roll as well but i gotta give it to keith lee for this one i feel like he's gonna win this ladder match next up we have the aew women's championship women's world championship we have thunder rosa taking on the champion dr Britt baker dmd and the thing was, this has been building. This one has been building up 
for a long time. I gotta say that this is the this is the one where she finally where she finally takes down Dr. Britt Baker and wins the women's championship. I'm going with Thunder Rosa on this one. Like I feel like this is definitely her time to take the title. Um, Dr. Britt Baker, she's been holding on to this title for for how long? Let me double check. She's been holding on to it for about 280 days. It's not bad. I really do. I think it'd be interesting to see her go a full year. But I really think that they need to pull the trigger on this now. Thunder Rosa is finally getting that match and taking the title off of Britt Baker. Then we have, I got to go. I got to, I'm sorry. I can't leave this. Even though this is the main event, I'm going over this one first. Give my prediction. We have Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. Now, if Red Dragon is not winning the tag team titles, then I gotta say that Adam Adam Page is gonna hang on, no pun intended, to the World Championship. I'm going with Adam. I'm going with with um Hangman Page. It's weird having the main event with two Adams in it. Adam Cole, Adam Page. I never thought I'd see the day where both of these guys would be on the same roster. Again. Well, you know what I mean, in the U.S. And then finally, one of the the biggest built-up match on the pay-per-view, it is CM Punk versus MJF in a dog-collar match. Now, last time we had a dog-collar match in AEW was against um, Cody Rhodes and the late, great, Brody Lee. Now, I don't think there's ever been a dog dog collar match that didn't have blood in it. So, yeah, it's going to be bloody for this one. The buildup was a long time coming since the last, since the night after, um, can't remember the name of the last pay-per-view right now. I'm off the top of my head. I apologize. Losing my mind. Full gear. It was full gear. That's right. It's been building up since the night since um the week of the week after full gear, where CM Punk came out and MJF introduced himself and he just looked and he didn't shake his hand when he extended his hand out for CM Punk to shake it. And that's how it all started. It's been building up since then. They had they had a match where CM Punk they had an amazing promo back and forth. Where he actually called him a less famous Miz. He's saying that CM Punk since coming back, he's been nothing but PG Punk. He just panders to the crowd, panders to the audience. He's not the rebel that he used to be. Well, he's gotten older, so obviously his rebellious days are over. He's in his forties. I think he's in his forties now. But he was saying, but MJF was able to beat CM Punk, but they do go at it again. CM Punk had came out one day, one week, and he had this, he was talking about how he had um went through his closet or went through his stuff, and he found this old photo. And this old photo of him, of CM Punk, and a very young MJF. Now, this was, this had to be like 2000. 
2007, because it looked like CM Punk back when he was in ECW. But he was talking, he and I love the, I just love the, the Street Fighter reference, one of the best lines in that movie. He said that for this day, meeting me, CM Punk, was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was just Friday. I thought that was awesome the way he delivered it to, which is perfect. <laughs> and he left MJF speechless. It's completely speechless. He had nothing to say. The following week, MJF comes out and he bears his soul about his about that photo, about when he was younger, uh, when he and now he, now he's told the story before about how these these other kids or these other guys have these rolls of quarters and they threw it at him and it said pick it up Jew boy. Um, he he's he's re- he's really against any type of anti-Semitism. Like he goes, he gets out of character whenever something like that is mentioned on like social media. He'll react to it, and he takes he takes that stuff serious. He bears his soul. He talks about how he had ADD growing up, dealing with that, different learning disabilities, and it was just coming off as it came off as very genuine. But it was just hard to believe it, hard to buy it for real, because MGF has has pulled on the heartstrings of some people, not to this level, but he's done it in such a way where you can't tell if he's being deceitful or if he's being like just 100 percent honest, just bearing his soul out there. And he talks about how. CM Punk meeting him was the best moment was the best moment of his life that night because he wasn't making any friends and he felt like that was that was the one thing that was actually he had to look forward to. Then he talked about when CM Punk had left, walked out, and he talked about how he left when he needed him the most, when he was at his emotional level. And like if CM Punk can handle it, then how could he? So he said that he want that instead of just being best in the world, like CM Punk, he said that he was going to be the best in the world in spite of CM Punk. Because if there's a little kid out there that's watching him on TV, he's not going to leave him high and dry like CM Punk did. And during this, like he his eyes are watering, like he's trying to hold back crying. CM Punk walks out, and you can kind of make out what he's saying, and the microphone picks up most of it. But he asked, he asked him, "Was that real? Was it real?" And he just kind of, he just kind of says, "Yeah," and he walks away. The next, the next week, the go home. It was the go home show. Um, I believe it was the go home show for Rampage. 
where CM Punk comes out and he says that he questions himself that if he's the bad guy. And just like, and to be honest with you, just like you said, um, nobody really sees themselves as the bad guy in their own story. He says that he, he says that he's trying not to be. He felt like he kind of created the monster that is MJF. So he kind of calls him out. He wants to make amends. And hopefully that does something. He won't, He sticks his hands out to shake his hand. MJF walks over and gives him a hug. Seemed really heartfelt. And then he low blows him. And you knew it was you knew it was gonna happen. You didn't know when, but you knew it was gonna happen. He beats down CM Punk. You have um Sean Spears and FTR come out and they hold off the security. And he puts on the dynamite diamond ring. And he just and he just he just blisters, he just bashes CM Punk till he's bloody. Then Sean Spears takes out the dog collar. And in a scene reminiscent of his Ring of Honor days, they actually have him kind of hanging with the dog collar. MJF grabs the microphone. And while he's bleeding, he rubs some of the blood off on his T-shirt. By the way, he was wearing underneath his suit that he was normally wearing. He had a T-shirt that had their picture of when they were when he was younger. He rubs blood on the T-shirt. He grabs him by his hair and, and speaks to the microphone and says, you stupid, stupid old man. I'm a snake. The greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was making people believe that he didn't exist, which is exactly what MJF did. The only thing is that he's quoting almost verbatim and I'll have it at the beginning of this episode, but he's quoting almost verbatim a promo that CM Punk had cut years ago in Ring of Honor when he did his heel turn right before he got signed to WWE. And he's saying this Sunday at, the Revolu- at Revolution, you're going to find out that I am the devil himself. Like, my goodness, the... The buildup for this match has been some of the absolute best. And I love the fact that they have their pay-per-view spaced out so much because it gives them plenty of time to build up to these big, big matches. I feel like for this match, it's going to be CM Punk going over. I feel like really it's MJF who needs to go over. But I feel like how we're going to do this is that we're going to have MJF to the point where he cannot continue. Like he's going to be bleeding. He's going to be busted open. They both are. But it's going to be to the point where both of them, well, MJF cannot continue, but he still tries to. I'm just, it's just that there's, it's just that it would be nice to see CM Punk get this win. But I'm, I want to say, I want to say MJF goes over on this one. This is going to be one-sided. But my stand, my standout decision, I am saying that CM Punk goes over in this match, but it's going to put MJF on another level. 
that's pretty much it for my predictions for AEW Revolution. It's going to be a big pay-per-view tonight. And I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are as well. If you guys need to, it's available on pay-per-view. You can also watch this on Bleacher Report or Fight TV, which is how I'm going to be watching it on Fight TV. With that out of the way, let's get to the rest of the show. One more thing I want to mention uh, before I talk about anything else is that there was a few newsworthy things going on with AEW. Uh, for those who don't know, um, Cody Rhodes, one of the founding fathers of AEW, had left AEW officially. He was working under a handshake deal. His last match was with Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship, that epic ladder match. And he did the right thing, putting Sammy over on his way out. I mean, that is what you do in the business. It seems like from what has been gathered that the issue was involving money. He wanted more money. He wanted to get paid the same levels as CM Punk and Brian Danielson. But um, Tony Khan didn't see him in that level. And I guess because, you know, with the fans constantly booing him, more and more. He was more of a John Cena type character now where he is so fixated on being the good guy and doesn't want to change his character, but yet the fans were booing him and Brandy on a constant. So he saw that and just figured he's not worth it. Not worth the money. So it seems like there was a deal going on between Cody Rhodes returning to WWE. Now, I heard that there were rumors that they one of the things that they wanted to do was have him get rid of that te- that ugly net- neck tattoo. But things have, but apparently deals have been fizzled out. Uh, one of my friends, um, by the name of Marcus, he has suggested, and I kind of agree, that this could all have been a big work. Now, I think it would have been awesome if that's true. I don't know, but I love. I would love that idea. It drums up interest in Cody because Cody's going back because there's been because it's already been said that the interest in him and WWE has kind of fizzled out or he turned it down. So, the way that you can work this is after he left AEW, he was about to go to WWE. They were ready to bring him in, and then he turned him down. Because he found an alternate route. Now that alternate route is what's is what's happened next. The fact that Tony Khan announced last week that he is now the owner. He is now the owner of Ring of Honor. Now, what does that mean? We don't know exactly just yet. But the biggest value in Ring of Honor is its video library. They have a large collection of footage of wrestlers from. A lot of wrestlers that are wrestling today that are huge stars, like Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole, Samoa Joe, like all these guys. It is classic footage of them when they were younger, and there's so much that they could do with it. They can make all these different hype packages and video packages. It's it's amazing, just that alone. But. The question is, how are they going to run it? Is it going to be a separate entity? 
as it's going to be like it's going to be running its day-to-day stuff like normal is it going to be like a developmental kind of like kind of like how nxt is and then like they bring them up to AEW when they're ready or they could be just like a feeder system like they've been doing i i had the suggestion that cody rhodes is in charge of Ring of Honor. And he leads an invasion of Ring of Honor wrestlers to go up to go up against AEW. Now is it far fetched? Of course it is. But the amount of interest that he's drawn in just by him leaving AEW, it would make sense. He drew even more interest when there were rumors of him going going to WWE. And that's the thing. Rumors and wrestling go together like peanut butter and jelly. And it's these rumors that help build to many different things and to great moments. So for instance, like with CM, like when CM Punk debuted, there was rumors of him debuting, but there was never anything that was guaranteed that he was going to be signed with AEW. And then next thing you know, it got to the point where they had to show for AEW Rampage, the first first dance, and CM Punk chants were just going all over the place. They were blowing the roof off by chanting CM Punk. And the first thing that happens, CM Punk walks out. It wasn't for the rumors. I don't think the hype, the hype would have been big, but I don't think it would have been as big as it was. And I feel like that's what we're getting here with this. The hype train just got to get bigger because there's so many ways that they can do Ring of Honor, so many ideas they can come up with. But I'm sticking with my guns on what I think they should do with Ring of Honor. They should use, they should definitely use their footage for like hype videos of um of like Daniel of um Brian Danielson. I keep still calling him Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and all them. It's it's just a it's just a great get. Right now, WWE on their side, they have been building up to WrestleMania pretty good as well. They've had some good build up, some weird build up, but build up nonetheless. So right now for WrestleMania, the card stands as is. These two men we have two matches that are on an undetermined night. We have Edge versus AJ Styles in a one-on-one match. These two have never faced each other before. And I have a feeling that this match is going to be a classic. Edge came out. It started off with Edge just sending an open challenge to anybody in the back. And AJ Styles has said before in his, on um, in interviews that he's always wanted to work with Edge because that's the one person that he's never got to work with. Edge and Shawn Michaels. And they dropped hints left and right. Of course, of course, they um going to drop hints. And it seems like Edge turned heel after he attacked AJ Styles during one segment. Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. It was revealed that it was rumored that Pat McAfee was going to have a match and Vince McMahon was going to have a match, step back in the ring. But it was just a rumor about Vince McMahon. 
so they decided to have Austin Theory, the guy that he's been kind of mentoring, step in his place, which makes more sense, honestly. And I feel like this probably was the spot for Shane McMahon. Like, it was probably going to be Shane McMahon somewhat um, going up against either Pat McAfee or Austin Theory. I feel like the I feel like it was going to be Shane McMahon versus Austin Theory, in all honesty. And I got it, and on and I haven't checked out the podcast or the episode of the Pat McAfee show with Vince McMahon up there, but I heard it was really good. Vince McMahon came off as very chill and just very interesting person. So definitely going to check that out. Recently, this past Friday, Ricochet won the Intercontinental Championship, and I am so happy for him. He finally deserves he finally deserves this push. I mean, he's been deserving it, but I'm just glad that he's finally getting it. Um, with that being said, titles off Sami Zayn. So now we have Sami Zayn in the program with Johnny Knoxville going into WrestleMania. This is going to be on night two. And they've been building up towards that for quite some time. Speaking of night two, we also have the Women's Tag Team Championships on the line. We got Queen Zelina and Carmella defending their titles against Naomi and Sasha Banks. How it started? Well, just at random. Sasha Banks had a match, and after she won, Naomi stepped in the ring and announced that they're going to be teaming up to go after the Women's Tag Team Championships. That's it. I don't know what was going on with the whole... Sonya Deville storyline. They ended it without giving us a resolute, without giving us a um the reasoning behind why Sonya Deville was targeting Naomi. There was there was nothing. So we just ended up getting ended up closing out that and moving on. Then let me go over to night one as well, because we also have Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. I'm I am disappointed in this because Drew McIntyre just last year was competing for the WWE Championship on night one of WrestleMania. Now he's relegated back down to the back to the mid card. Going up against Happy Corbin. It's like a step above going up against Jinder Mahal. And it kind of sucks because, like, this guy was leading the charge during the pandemic era, the WWE. As WWE champion, he was doing so. He was doing well. He never really got his that big championship win in front of the fans. But it is what it is. I feel like that. I hope that they have something better for him. He needs to be the next contender to go up against. Roman Reigns. I feel like that's just how it should be. We have Rey Mysterio and Dominic versus The Miz and Logan Paul. Of course, Rey Myst- of course, The Miz was kind of hinting that it was going to be Cody Rhodes because he said that his tag team partner is going to be dashing. And of course, it's not me because, you know, I'm money. <laughs> but Logan Paul being in this, uh, I'm just not a big fan of Logan Paul. Um, I'll give him, I'll give him credit that he has 
energy. But just not a fan of his. Don't want to see him in here. But it's the whole. It's WrestleMania. It's it's the night where we have celebrities and everything. He's not on the level of Bad Bunny, but at least he can do something. We also have the Raw Women's Championship match: Bianca Belair taking on the champ, the man, Big Time Bex, Becky Lynch. This past Monday on Raw. Um, they had a tag team match, and she whipped the hell out of out of Becky. Like my goodness, she left she left sores on her for like days, and the noise that it makes when she slaps that braid, my goodness, it sounds painful. It just sounds painful. Seriously. Then we also have the SmackDown Women's Championship, which is probably going to be the main event. We have the challenger, Ronda Rousey, going one-on-one against Charlotte Flair. Now, the whole story with this one is the fact that Charlotte Flair was telling Ronda, well, first off, Ronda won the Royal Rumble, and Charlotte's, the whole thing with them is that Charlotte's been saying that she is nothing more than a one-trick pony, that she only has one move, and that's the arm bar, and she knows how to get out of it or know, and knows how to block it. She knows how to do the arm bar. So this past this past this past Friday, she had her first match on SmackDown ever against Sonya Deville. She had some ring rust, but she wasn't that bad. I'll give her credit. She wasn't she didn't look weird, but she did a good job. And then Charlotte Flair goes into the ring with high heels on. She takes her down and she slaps on the ankle lock. So she's got more than just the arm bar. She's got the ankle lock as well. And I like to think that she learned that from her former tag team partner from her first WrestleMania match, Kurt Angle. It just makes sense. So with... With that, we go to our main, main event. It is a winner-take-all unification match. Brock Lesnar, the WWE Champion, versus Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion. And I think that, and originally they were trying to just say it was going to be a winner-take-all. They were doing everything that they can to stay away from the U-word. But then all of a sudden, they just all of, they just finally decided, like, hey, you know what? Let's just unify it. It's called a unification. I feel like they don't know what unification is. <laughs> but a lot of people are saying they may as well just do away with the brand split altogether and merge, the t- merge some of these titles. Me, personally, I, I don't want them to... I wish that they could do the brand split better, but it is what it is. It makes sense to have one floating champion, but at the same time, there's a lot of big stars that if they didn't have the brand split, they probably would have never touched the WWE championship. But it's gonna this one is branded as the greatest WrestleMania main event ever. And, of course, it's a marketing tool. It's how they market things. A lot of people are going to be upset with it. 
I mean, it's not going to be the greatest, but that that's just how they market it. It's like when they marketed Edge, was it Edge versus Randy Orton as the greatest wrestling match ever. This is the third, I think it's the third trilogy of matches. Because I remember there were, because I remember, um, I can't remember exactly everybody, but I do remember Austin Rock having a trilogy at WrestleMania. And then these two have a trilogy at WrestleMania. But in, but with that, I just I really don't think that they're going to keep the belts unified. Eventually, down the lo- down the road, they're going to end up splitting the belts again. That's why I'm against it. In fact, there was even there was even news buzzing around that the networks weren't happy with it. They each network, USA and Fox, want to have their own individual world champion. So we'll just see how that ends up. Right. With that being said, I appreciate everybody listening in for this latest episode of the podcast. We've gone over WrestleMania, Revolution. Don't forget to check it out on Fight TV or Pay-Per-View. Guys, feel free to make sure that you visit me on my social media sites. I am on Facebook, Miles J. Sadiq. I have my channel for the podcast on Facebook, Four Corners of Entertainment. Nice, beautiful blue logo. Can't miss it. I'm also on Instagram at Miles J. The show is on Instagram as well. That is four underscore corners 89. You'll see some artwork from each episode. You'll see a few extra stuff up there as well. So be sure to check it out. Follow me on Twitter at Miles J. I'm Miles J everywhere, basically. Feel free to add me on PlayStation Network as I continue to do live streams on Facebook and on YouTube as well as Twitch. I'm pretty much everywhere. Everywhere you want to look for me, it is for it is Miles J M Y L E S J A I. Once again, thank you so much, everybody, for listening, for tuning in, taking your time out of your day. Go enjoy yourselves. I always close out with my favorite catchphrase: "When money talks, people listen." But I wanted you guys to know to be well, stay safe, take care of yourselves and each other. Four Corners of Entertainment, bringing you the best in wrestling, movies, and video games. Available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and many more.